Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed, and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. My name is Nick Van Ruth. I'm one of the pastors here at Hills Baptist. And I want to um, start with a question. All right, here's the scenario. You can't eat anything else except bread, a little bit of bread every day, or a burger once a week. What would it be? Burger. All right, you should have a word to a nutritionist. We search for fulfillment. We search for something to sustain us. We search for something to give our lives purpose and meaning and value. And where are we searching for those things? Something that will actually fill us and sustain us and be healthy for us? Or something that looks exciting and new and great? But is it actually good? I want to explore that question today. What will sustain me? What will truly give me life? What will nourish my soul. To that, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. We spend our lives searching for something to fill us. And Jesus points us to the thing that will bring us life, himself. Now, we're continuing in our series in the I Am's of Jesus, looking through uh, the Gospel of John, which is the fourth Gospel in the New Testament in the Bible. Uh, for the discerning among us, you'd realize that we're not going in order. And look, that's okay. Last week, we heard from Leona, I'm the gate, John 10. Now we're skipping back to John 6, uh, I am the bread of life. And uh, if you have a Bible, open it up to John chapter 6. We'll start from verse 22. Uh, and where we're going to today is I'm going to quickly share some context. Uh, we'll read the passage all together. Well, I'll read it. You listen. And then we'll ask these three questions. What are we seeking? What is the bread that will last? And how do we receive it? So do open your Bibles to John chapter 6. Uh, just a bit of context is always good to look back a little bit and bit and see what's happening uh, in the story so far. And at the beginning of the passage, John uh, describes one of the greatest miracles. Uh, they're all amazing and, and exciting, but I think one of the greatest ones of Jesus feeding five thousand. There's a crowd following Jesus, listening to his teaching. Uh, they go out to the other uh, side of the Sea of Galilee. And a loud, large crowd is following him. They're hungry. They need a feed. And Jesus says, instead of sending him away, let's find something and feed him now. So they find just three pieces of bread and two fish. Jesus gives thanks to the Father and he distributes it to the people, to 5,000, well, it's probably 5,000 men, which means more women and children in addition to that. And all of them are filled and they even have uh, 12 baskets left over. After this amazing miracle, Jesus withdraws to a mountain and 
Uh, he sends his disciples across the Sea of Galilee to Capernaum ahead of him. And the sea becomes rough. And uh, there's a storm and there's, there's waves crashing over the edge of the boat. The, the disciples are terrified and they, in the distance they see a figure walking towards them on the water. And the, the figure says, don't be afraid, it's me, it's Jesus. Walking across the waves on the water, meets them in the boat, they go to the other side to Capernaum. Now that's what happens immediately before where we pick up which will be on the screen. If you read with me from verse 22, read all the way to verse 58. It's a big passage, uh, but listen to the story that's being told. Listen to what Jesus says, because there's so much in here. So, on the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had only been one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with the disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum, seeking Jesus out. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, teacher, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the work of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him, whom he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work will you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger. Whoever believes in me will never, shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have not seen me, and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life. And I will raise them up on the last day. So the Jews grumbled about Him because He said, I am the bread that comes down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How, can, how does He now say, I have come down from heaven? 
Jesus answered them, Do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has, they have seen the Father. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, they will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? And Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in them. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, they also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. It's a big passage. Let's think of that first question. What are we seeking after? What, were, what was the crowd seeking for? It be, the passage begins with a scene where they, they, they want to know where Jesus went. And, and the logistics don't really add up because they know Jesus stayed behind, but the disciples went ahead, and yet somehow Jesus is not here anymore. There weren't any other boats. Eventually, they find Jesus, and they ask, how did you get here? Now, of course, we know that that's actually quite an amazing story. He, he walks on water, a pretty powerful demonstration of Jesus' power and who he is. But Jesus doesn't tell them that. He calls them out for what they're searching for. He says, you're not seeking me because you saw signs, because of who I am. You're seeking me because you're hungry, because you want to feed. You're coming for fickle things, for bread that will perish, food that will not last. And you'll come today, and you'll be just as hungry tomorrow. I don't know if you've ever had a really big meal. Last night, uh, this past week has been... um, uh, International, International Pizza Appreciation Week. It's also been um, uh, Tube Feeding Awareness Week, which is much more significant for our family, but also not quite as significant, but also significant as International Pizza uh, Appreciation Week. And last night we had pizza and, and had a lot, and I was stuffed. It was, it was amazing. But then later that night, about 10.30, I, I thought, oh, I'm a little bit hungry. I wonder if I get a... A bowl of cereal or something. I'm sure 
this has happened to you. You've been stuffed, you've had a great meal, but then it, it does not last. It might satisfy you for a moment, but then that moment goes. And there's so many different things we might seek and, and seek to fulfill us. It might fulfill us for a moment, but then that moment ends. And these people are coming for, for bread, and Jesus says, don't seek out something that will fade away and perish tomorrow. Seek the bread that will last. Now, he's not saying that searching is wrong. He doesn't condemn them or, or scold them for coming to him looking for a feed. It's good that they're searching for something. It's good that they want to be satisfied and filled. But where are they searching to be filled? Jesus says, uh, work for the bread that will last for eternity. And so the crowd says, great, all right, get, what do we need to do for this bread? Believe in him who God has sent. So they go, okay, well, then show us a sign. Give us an experience. First, they wanted a feed. Now, they want an experience in order to, 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 to figure out who Jesus is, to, to live out, uh, to, to be. And um, they, they say to Jesus, well, why don't you do something like what Moses did in the desert? I don't know if you know the history of the Israelite people, but after they were delivered from Egypt, before they got into the promised land, they were, they were um, wandering the desert for 40 years. And I don't know about you, but there's not very much food in the desert. So God provided for them. He gave them quail in the evening, some meat, a bird, and then manna in the morning. And this manna was this white, flaky bread stuff that would just appear on the ground around them. And they didn't even know what it was, so that's why they called it manna, which is, what is this? And uh, the Israelites point to this and say, why don't you do something like that? Like, do a great big miracle so you can provide for us in this way. And isn't it interesting? They want a, an experience and a, a sign that has to do with food. But Jesus calls them out again. You've missed the point. You've missed the point of this pivotal moment in Israelites' history where God provided for his people. It wasn't Moses who gave them that manna. God gave them that manna, that bread. It's interesting, earlier in the passage, when Jesus distributes the bread, first he gives thanks to God. That action is mentioned uh, multiple times. Jesus gives thanks to the Father, because it's the Father that gives the bread, the Father that provides for his people. And that manna, and then later on in when Jesus feeds the 5,000, that bread points to the, the eternal bread that God will give his people. For the Verse 33, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. The crowd are coming. They want food to fill them or a sign to experience, but what they need is none of that. They need a person. They need the eternal bread. And I wonder how often do we spend time searching to be filled, searching to find value and meaning in things that will not last, even in good things, even in, in things that are, are positive and bring value to the world, even in things like church and community and family. We seek to be fulfilled and find meaning. 
but ultimately they will not last. Even I, I find it amer- amazing, you know, a world we're constantly searching for meaning in this universe, so, and yet nothing fulfills, nothing satisfies. And I think we all know this. So much so that uh, Mark Zuckerberg and the people at Facebook have created a whole new universe for us to seek meaning in, the metaverse. People are escaping into this new universe to, to do things because we're not, we're not satisfied by, by what this universe has to offer. And I'll tell you, that one won't fulfill either. We need to seek the bread that will last. Again, the desire to be filled, that, that seeking for meaning is a good thing. But where are we searching? Where are we filling it? And so what is the bread that will last? What is the bread that gives us life? Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. Jesus hasn't come to give bread. He is the bread. He is what we are searching for. He is what the world is searching for. So I want to take a, a moment, step back, and think about well, what is it about bread that tells us and shows us who Jesus is? What is it about bread that reveals to us why Jesus is so essential for us? And there's, three, there's lots of things, but I'll focus on three things. The first thing is bread is necessary. These days... Uh, we tend to avoid bread because of the carbs, because of the gluten, and look, that's all good. But 2,000 years ago, when Jesus was around, bread was a staple of every meal. If you didn't have bread, you probably weren't eating, because it was, it was what people had to eat in order to survive, to be filled, and, and to keep on going. It's what we need. We need bread every day to, to live, to flourish. And um, verse 53, Jesus says to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat of the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, we'll come to that language a bit later, but unless you eat this bread, you have no life in you. We need Jesus, the bread of life. We need the bread. We need him. He is necessary for living. He's necessary. He's also nourishing the bread gives life. As we eat bread, it gives us nutrients and, and the carbohydrates, the energy we need to go about our day and to live. A, a few hundred years before uh, Jesus was around, there was this prophet Isaiah who said a whole lot of things. But in the back end of his, his uh, prophecy, his book, he talks about the time when God would come and restore all things, restore his people. And Isaiah 55 says this, Come, all who are thirsty, come to the waters. All you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread? Why, sorry, why, and, and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good, and your soul will delight in the riches of fare. Give ear and come to me. Hear me, that your soul may live. God's calling everyone to come to him to receive from God bread that will last. 
And he says, come everyone, not just the elite, not just those who can afford it, not just those who are worthy, but all come to him. Hear him, that he, you, our souls may live. And so Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will hunger no more. Whoever believes in me will thirst no more. And what is it about Jesus and, and, and Jesus as the bread of life that gives us life? Well, he gives us a, a hint of that in verse 51. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. It's Jesus' own body broken for us that brings us life. Because Jesus took on himself, on his body, on his flesh, that which brings us death, our sin, our brokenness, our tendency to find meaning and value in all the wrong places. He takes that upon himself and he pays for it. He defeats it. He gets rid of it. And he takes our brokenness, our sin, our death, and he dies it for us. So he takes our death and he gives us life. Jesus rose again. He rose again after three days so that those who believe in him, who come to him, might rise again with him on the last day, that we might live with him into eternal life. Jesus takes on himself that which brings us death, so he could give us his body that gives us life, a new life in him, in his body, in, in the bread. We are forgiven. We're saved, we're given life, we're given meaning and purpose, restored to the God who created us. The last aspect about this bread is that it's given freely. It's given freely. Just like the manna that came down from heaven, the Israelites were not to work for it. In fact, if, if they were to work for it, if they were to come out and, and uh, collect extra manna for themselves and work for that, to save up and to earn for themselves extra manna to have and to enjoy the next day, what they'd find the next morning is this manna would be rotten, of maggots, be disgusting. God is very clear, you're not to work for this. This is my gift to you, my provision for you. So all the Israelites were to do, were to... to Go down and pick it up. And for the bread of life, it's given to us. It's given to us. The Israelites ask, what are we to do uh, to be doing the works of God? What are we to do to receive this bread? And Jesus says, this is the work of God, that you believe in the one that God has sent. Verse 40 the will of the Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life. And I'll raise them up on the last day. Now, at this point, uh, after verse 40, the, the passage goes into this challenging, intellectually challenging space. I'm not sure if you picked it up when I read it before earlier. But there seems to be somewhat of a contradiction, somewhat of conflicting ideas. On the one hand, that we are to receive 
the bread, you know, we're to come to the Son and believe in Him. That's our responsibility. That's our action to do. But on the other hand, verse 44 says, no one can come to Jesus unless the Father who sent me draws them. So these two apparently contradictory ideas of, on the one hand, we're called to respond and to receive and to believe. On the other hand, God calls us. God's the one that draws us to Him. So which one is it? Are these, are these ideas incompatible? Uh, Christians in different circles call this debate, you know, predestination and free will. And a lot of ink has been spilt on this and a lot of time uh, spent thinking about this. But I find that the passage actually describes something that's fairly clear. Um, Charles Spurgeon, one of the great preachers uh, of a few decades ago, said, um, you know, when we're trying to reconcile these two contradictory issues of predestination and free will and our responsibility and God's sovereignty, we neglect to realize that you don't need to reconcile friends, that these two aren't contradictory but complementary. And so... What I feel this passage is saying is that we have a responsibility to receive, to to believe. That's true. But at the same time, God calls those, calls us to have faith in Him, and He predetermines those who would come to Him. That's true. God calls those who are His. Is true. His people respond to Him. That's true. God reveals Himself. That's true. We respond. We learn. We come to him. That's true. Both these things are true at the same time. This is what Scripture reveals again and again. And I think this is really important to think about this and to consider these things. And maybe some people have spent too much time thinking about this, and that's okay. But we we need to think about this because we don't want to be lazy and think, I don't have a responsibility. If God's called me, he's called me. I don't need to believe or do or change my life or, or respond in any way because if he's called me, he's called me. Or I don't need to worry about other people knowing Jesus. If he's called them, he's called them. You know, I don't need to do anything to share uh, Jesus, to share the bread of life with other people or to go to all the nations and share the good news of Jesus because if God's called them, he's called them. No, we have a responsibility to respond to God's call, to believe in him, to live out the life he's given us and to share that with those around us and to the ends of the world. We have that responsibility. At the same time, we can't be proud and think that it's all about us, that I've found that secret path to the Father, that I've figured out the right words to pray and now I'm saved, that I've, I've earned my own salvation by believing the right thing or doing the right thing or saying the right thing, that I'm better than those who don't know Jesus because I've got this secret knowledge, this secret faith. That's not true. It's not about us. It's about God calling us to himself. And it becomes all the more profound, all the more powerful when we remember and realize that he does that in spite of our inability to come to him, in spite of our tendency to move away from him and seek our fulfillment and whatever in all the wrong places. He calls us to himself because he loves us. He wants us. He wants a relationship with us. He wants us to have life 
in him. So that brings us to the third question. We've already asked, what are we seeking? How do, who is the bread of life? And now, how do we receive this bread? How do we receive this bread? And I hope it's clear, it's not by works. It's not by finding that secret path and, and finding the bread and eating it. It's given to us. But Jesus says, believe in him who sent me. Or verse 40, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him would have eternal life. This is not an intellectual exercise that if we believe the right thing, if we know the right information and say that's true, then then we're saved. Because imagine if I'm starving, I haven't had food for, for days, and if I don't eat soon, I will die. If I know that's true, and I know that this bread will fulfill me, that, I, that this is the bread that I need to eat in order to survive, that knowledge does nothing for me if I don't pick it up and eat it and receive it. And so I think that's why Jesus goes into this weird territory at the end of our passage. And I'm going to move a bit slower through this because it's, it's big and confusing and very powerful. When Jesus says to the, to the crowd, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds dangerously cannibalistic. And, uh, you know, in the church, we're used to this kind of language all the time with communion and things like that. But if, if this is your first experience with church or this is your first exposure to Jesus, this is some really weird stuff, right? Christians do and say some really weird things. I think, you know, it's okay that we're weird. It's good to talk about it sometimes. This, this idea of eating the flesh of the Son of Man and drinking his blood is very, very uncomfortable. Now, is it saying we should physically eat his flesh and drink his blood? Did the crowd turn around and eat him? No, that's not happening. It's a metaphor. It's a metaphor. But what's the metaphor there for? It's about receiving Christ. It's interesting, there's, there's a parallelism between verse 54 and 40, that, that these verses are actually very, very close, except for a couple of changes. Verse 54 says, Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I'll raise them on the last day. Verse 40, Everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him will have eternal life, and I'll raise them up on the last day. So what does eating his flesh, drinking his blood mean? It means coming to him. Coming to him, seeking our meaning and value and purpose in him, in Jesus. And believing in him. Knowing that the work that Jesus has done on the cross has set us free. His blood shed has brought us forgiveness and new life. That what he says is true and real. The very next verse uh, verse 55, for my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. This is such an important message for us today because we are led to believe that the only things that are true and real are things that we can feel and touch and smell and that, you know, those tangible things. But the reality is the opposite. That the things that we might be able to feel and touch and 
whatever now will not last. This bread won't exist in a week after I give it to my chickens. But what will last is what Jesus has given us. What will last is the sacrifice he made for us. What will last is the life that he gives us. And so there's nothing more real than Jesus' body and his flesh and his blood because that will last into eternity. That will be true and real forever. And those who believe and come to him. And this feeding on Jesus, receiving Jesus, is not a transactional relationship, a transactional action. That if we eat the bread and have life and that's it. It's a relationship. Verse 56, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in them. As we receive Christ and that new life that he gives us, it's a life we live in relationship with Jesus, where that relationship with the God who created us is restored and we can come to him and live in him and he will give us everything we need for living this life in obedience to him. And so as, as I wrap up, I want to I wanna ask a few more questions and provide a challenge for myself and for you. I will turn to the question I asked at the start. What would sustain us? A little bit of bread every day or a burger once a week? What will sustain you? What will sustain me? A little bit of bread every day or, or a quick Jesus fix once a week or once a fortnight or once a month. I think if we have that approach of we'll come to church or come to Jesus when it suits us and get our Jesus fix and get our spiritual invigoration, but we find when we go out into this complex world that we're spiritually starved because we are what we eat. We are what we eat. And this world is constantly throwing things at us to consume. And so if we're not coming to Jesus, if we're not coming to his word and receiving what he has to say for us and believing that and living that out, what are we consuming? What are we becoming? And so uh, that's, that's something we need to pray about and think about and work on. And look, I know this is hard. It's hard to bring ourselves to, into that habit, into that space of coming to Jesus daily. Now, the, um, the staff and, and many people in our community have um, committed to reading the Bible in a year, and uh, there's, a, there's a sign-up and resource that have been uh, shared, reading three or four chapters a day in order to receive the whole of, of all the Scripture this year. Now, I'll admit, at this season I'm in right now, that doesn't really work for me, four chapters a day. So what I do is I've subscribed to a, a different Bible reading plan that's a bit tricky to remember. It's BibleReadingPlan.org. It's just one chapter a day that I read, that I reflect what is Jesus saying to me about himself, about the world, about me. Do I believe this? Do I receive this? Will I live this out? 
Now, for, for all of us, we need to find a habit, a, a system that works for us. And if, if it's not a chapter a day, it might be a verse a day. Or if, if you're not up to reading, listening to an audio Bible, finding what works for us so that we can come to Jesus day after day and feed on Him so that He might fill us to go out into the world, to go out into this complex, wacky, challenging world and live for Him. And live for Him. Another challenge for us is, why do we come to church? What are we hoping to receive? It might be, you know, being part of a great community that loves us and values us, and that's a really good thing. It might be a a great worship experience, and that's a good thing. It might be hearing great preaching, and that's a good thing. But those things, ultimately will not sustain us, will fulfill us if we miss what it's actually all about. You know, it's no wonder that uh, in the Western church, people have been leaving the church. We've seen a decline in numbers generally because people are coming for a whole range of different reasons but missing what church is all about. It's about Jesus. There's a, a, a researcher... David Kinnaman, who um, investigated this phenomenon of young people leaving the church in droves, and he, in, he investigated and did a lot of research on the people who left, but also the people who stuck around and uh, stayed committed at church. And what was distinct about them? And what he found, that the, the very first distinctive is that these young people had intimacy with Jesus. They weren't there for the hype or the experience or the feed, they were there for Jesus. And that's why, as an, as an eldership, as a leadership of this church, last year we met to determine what are our priorities for this year? What are the kingdom outcomes? What do we want to see happen in the life of the church? The number one kingdom outcome for this church for this year is intimacy with God. We want to see people grow in their relationship with Jesus. We want to see people receive the bread of life before anything else, because that is what will give them life. That is what will grow disciples. That is what will equip us for, with what we need to live out in this world, our faith in this world. It's good to be searching. It's good to come and to seek out things that will sustain us and fulfill us and will give us life. But where are we searching for those things? Jesus says, I and the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will hunger no more. Whoever believes in me will never thirst again. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for John who wrote these words and for Jesus who spoke them. And we thank you for Jesus, the bread of life, that he came to give his life so that we could be saved so that we could be we could have his life. And we thank you for the that daily we can come to him to receive to receive from him your word, to receive from him instruction and guidance and love and peace and joy. And God, we pray you would help us establish those habits of coming to you daily to receive. 
We, we pray you'd help us establish those habits of, of coming in community to receive, not just individually, but together on a Sunday, in life groups, in, in one-on-ones, in all kinds of different things. But Lord, we don't pray that those would be the ends. We pray that we would receive you. We would abide in you. We would have a relationship with you. That you would give us life and show us and help us to live that out for your glory. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for the bread of life for you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Hills Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in developing and equipping passionate disciples who love God, love people, and boldly share the gospel, you can do that at hillsbaptist.com forward slash giving. We pray this message has empowered you to live and love more like Jesus. Have an amazing day.